Welcome, everybody, to If I May, a podcast with me, Kyle, just an average guy along with three of my average friends, Nick, Dylan, and Brent. Today, uh, we're going to be talking about jumping off piers and how that could lead to you wanting to skydive. Dylan and I have a nice uh, skydiving experience that we share together that we'll uh, tell you about. After that, uh, that leads us into a little bit of honeymoon talk. What might Nick do on his honeymoon and where is he going? Will he say? We'll find out. After that, we go into some uh, stories about Brent and Nick getting bitten by ants. And then we get into the tried and true Game of Thrones. So if you're not fully caught up to Season 8, Episode 3, do not stick around for that. Otherwise, right after that, we'll also be touching off on Endgame. So if you have not seen Avengers Endgame, again, skip that part. We'll put links uh, as to the timestamps in the descriptions so you know where to jump to if you want to avoid uh, one of those topics. So with that, hope you enjoy the episode. Who'd ever been ziplining before? I just I... went this past weekend. Really? How was it? What's that? Was it? How was it? Describe uh, your ziplining experience. It. So, I mean, it's so it's super simple. All you do, like, once you get the, what am I trying to say? Not the belt, but the harness. Once you get the harness figured out, all you're doing is clipping yourself on and taking yourself back off and then the hard part is like keeping yourself straight if you want to some people spin around um but then like another caution is like don't put your hands in front so like sometimes you get a little disoriented if you're like spinning around underneath the cable then you don't know which way is like down the cable and which way is up the cable because if you can imagine uh what it would do to your fingers if you put your fingers in between the front of your pulley and the cable yeah you just lose some fingers at all (laughs) so you just need to make sure that like don't put your hands up there because when you come into the like when you come to the end of your zip line you need to be facing forward so that way you can like um like on the really long ones you need to be facing forward so you can stop yourself um but i was doing some like super short it was like a high ropes course slash zip line park and like uh and on the short ones like you just need to be facing forward so you can get up onto the platform it was a pretty cool park it was like where you zip you like go you start like climbing like cables and different things like it's really challenging you have to go around obstacles and stuff but then you're like there's a central court cable that you're hooked to so that way if you fall off the obstacle course uh you don't like fall down because you're literally like on the top of telephone poles like it's really high up and then when you get up like there's platforms that you like you have a, a cable or a, a pulley that's on your hip that you just like unattach and put it over the, the central cable and you can zip down to like the next station. So you, there's like some where you like are climbing, and then some where you zip line to another another location. So you're zip lining from like tree to tree, or like they have telephone poles. That like, see the the most zip lining ever, ever I've ever done is at like a scout camp. So they have like a sixty foot climbing tower, and they have a zip line yeah. coming off of that to like a telephone you're just pole. Hanging on, to, and you're just hanging on to like a, a handle, and if you fall, you fall. No, no, it's it's sixty <laughs> feet above the air. No, so you can you can, you get like two options or three options. There is the standard climbing harness where they just strap you in and you keep yourself upright. You just hold onto the rope and you're in a sitting position, zipping down. But like, there's no stop. You you don't have to stop yourself. You just it's a straight line and then it go, starts going right back up and then you go back and forth, back and forth and like bottom out the bottom. And they have this like slide in staircase. They just slide in to like unclip you and you know pull you off of it. But you could also choose yeah. to do a Superman harness. Where you're like, you know, strapped in like Superman, and you could also decide to do a over the shoulders upside down harness and hang upside down. I've done that one, and that was it was 
the roughest one, but also the most fun one. Cause you can literally just like dive off the top of the tower. Like you're like head first, like literally diving off the top of the tower head first. And like, that's pretty Sounds surreal. To me. Yeah. It was, it was really cool. But then the blood does start getting to your head, uh, at the I end, especially down. when you're like going back and forth, like slow down to the stop blood definitely starts getting to your head a little bit. I was down, uh, in, I think it was Georgia and what it was like super long zip lines where you're like going like across rivers and like down through the trees and stuff. I'm trying to think of where I was. I don't think it was Georgia, but it was basically like you literally had no, there was a big spring at the end with the platform on the, on the different zip lines, but there was no way to like slow you down, slow yourself down coming into the station. So what you had to do is you had to orientate, orient, orientate. You, You had to make, get yourself facing straight. And, uh, and what you did, like you use your hand basically you had really thick rubber, uh, really thick leather gloves. And you'd have to like, make sure you'd have to make sure you're like pushing on the aft part of the like cable you as you're yourself. going down. And then you had to grab the cable with the leather gloves to slow yourself down. So oh, you had boy. to wear like gloves inside of leather gloves. Dude, like, and then to slow I'm, yourself down, you had to grab the cable. So, like, to spin yourself around, you had to push on the cable as it's like going through your hands, and you're flying. Like this, this cable is booking. So, that sounds like, terrible. It, like, that sounds so and sketchy. Then, and then when you get down to the end, you have to like literally grab the cable with both your hands to slow yourself down. And like by the by the time you get to the end, like your hands are hot, but you're not like burning yourself because the gloves are so thick. But it was it was pretty sketchy. I was it was like really fun because like the, that you had actually had like an extension on your pulley, so you had some like room underneath. And what you could do is you could grab that extension and you could push on it when you jump off the platform and you could flip yourself upside down. So you're like flying through the trees upside down. It was it was really cool. But then you'd have to like flip yourself up and like re reface yourself forwards and then grab the cable before you got to the end. Otherwise, you just like slam into like, <laughs> slam into a tree. Yeah, no, it wasn't this tree. It was like a big station, and okay. then on the end was like a, a spring to like. I mean, so it would cushion you, but you, not that it, much. You wouldn't die, but <laughs> it would hurt really bad. <laughs> That's crazy. I've always wanted to go to one of those like zip lining areas where you just like start at the very top of something, and you like kind of pick your route down, and you just kind of zoop through as you go down. That sounds super cool. Like, yeah. I'm just yeah, I'm just cool. imagining the ones like like in ski slopes when there's the rope to tow you up like the bunny hill having to like grab onto that thing. That's what I'm imagining for your mm. zip lining. No, it was like you had to hike up to the top, and uh, and it was like a significant hike. I remember it was kind of sucky because you're literally like you had to walk up all platforms and then zip line down. But this one I was at this weekend was really cool because you like. You climbed through the adventure or you climbed through the obstacles to get some like height like you had to climb up so you're like walking on like ropes and stuff like trying to get up and then you get up to like platforms and then you zip down but you don't zip all the way to the ground you zip to other obstacles and then you you climb back up through different obstacles it was tough it was, yeah, really, yeah. It was pretty difficult uh, <laughs> is that what you were uh, like i don't know if it was quite that tough <laughs> to to celebrate in that fashion, but uh, certainly. Uh, Brent, have you ever ziplined then? Yeah, when I worked in Minnesota for a year, one of the things we did was lead high ropes adventure courses. And it was really fun watching and seeing the kids overcome these challenges, which um, you get to teach them through and, and kind of nerve-wracking the fact that their safety is in your hands. But 
Uh, the thing I really enjoyed about that in particular was the, I found the more you did the course, the, you just became really comfortable with it. Where once you realize like these safety harnesses and the lanyards that connect you to it are incredibly safe. <laughs> you start I mean, trusting actually, them. That's how you get in accidents. Well, compared to uh, compared to like cars or really many things, like the number of accidents and high rope scores are incredibly low. So you get you get into these and you start to realize like, yeah, hey, I'm doing this. I can just kind of hang here for a little bit off the course, and it's not going to be a big deal because I'm obviously following the safety proper proper safety procedure and am hooked on. And, and of course, you always have these double redundancies to make sure you're checked in and stuff like that. Yeah, I feel so. like the high ropes course, too, don't give you that like opportunity to fall very far. Whereas like if you're climbing a mountain and like putting in your own hardware, you can fall yes. down like hundred, like a hundred, almost a hundred feet or 50 feet. I don't, I've never done it, but you can, you can fall a significant time because you fall to your hardware and then you fall that distance again. Right. So it's like that, that's where people get hurt. More. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of what happens with these rope courses. And that's one of the things that they, they trained us on when we we're teaching is like, it's, it's all perceived risk. The risk is actually very minimal, but because you're 20, 30, 40 feet above the ground. Humans aren't naturally feel, yeah, used you feel to being like in you're that situation. Fall off. Well, the best part about the course is you get through the course and have different obstacles, probably similar to what Dylan had. Uh, the best part was always the zip line. And by the time you, at the end of the year rolled around, probably done it 40, 50 times the same zip line. So it was, you know, closing your eyes, Wee. going backwards, <laughs> jumping off. And my favorite part of the zip line is always that initial drop like when you first step off yeah before the just, cords taunt you fall because that's that's the part where it's just that's that feels so real and then the the obviously the zip is pretty fun too but uh, definitely the bigger that initial drop is i think the more thrilling the zip line is for me so nick have, have you done zip line and then off of that because of brent's point there uh would you slash anybody else ever go bungee jumping because it sounds like that's the kind of thing brent would want to do so the reason I, I asked the question in the first place, I actually didn't expect uh, nearly that level of answers. Um, I'm quite impressed with all of you. That being said, <laughs> the reason I'm asking is uh, I'm just starting to plan honeymoon type activities. And there is a laundry list of things we could talk about today. Um, that's one of them. And I've not. Wait, Nick, if I may real line. quick, where were you going to your honeymoon again? <laughs> I know I'm just kidding. I know you're not saying for making me be a dick. Uh, at any rate, <laughs> um, I, apparently, apparently you can possibly zip line while there. So if that narrows it down at all, um, no, the, the zip lining is, is one adventure. That's an option. We can talk about the others. And as far as zip lining is concerned, I've, I've been on a high ropes course, um, by some definition, you know, maybe I've zip lined, but uh, my thought kind of more went to uh, what's the weight limit because I happen to be a heavier man. <laughs> um, I'm sure I can do it and it wouldn't be a, a huge deal, but um, doing that and then uh, the zip line experience, I was curious how much fun it actually is. And I think it's one of those things that uh, it's as fun as you make it. You, you got bored relatively quickly, you know, inching your way out and being as safe as possible. It's more fun if you close your eyes and do some crazy nonsense. But 
as I'm planning this, I'm, I'm thinking back to a South Park episode, and I'm not sure if any of you remember it, where the the kids of South Park go zip lining, and uh, you know it's ramped up to be this awesome uh, shredding the narc type thing where they're going crazy, and um, they they go up there, they get in a, a van with you know ten of their best friends, and then they all get on all their safety gear, and they're like, well, what the hell's this? And then they go do the zip line and it shows them just like crawling along. And certainly if you don't, you know, jump off or give yourself some kind of boost, like I'm sure you'll still get going pretty quick depending on the type of zip line, but you could also, you know, keep it pretty leisurely. Like this is a family friendly activity at, at the end of the day for most, I would assume. So the, the biggest I was just thing, curious. I was say from the, the scout camp, I know the biggest thing they were telling everybody is like commit because if you don't commit, that's when people like try to freak out and try to like catch themselves on the lip. And that's when you get hurt. So like the biggest thing you can do is actually just commit to getting off that platform. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that mentality um, just with respect to cliff jumping and other activities that I used to do in college. And I think I was on a uh, family vacation with my uh, fiance and her family, uh, their family vacation rather. And we were in Florida and there was an event where something to the effect of like a polar plunge at the pier and i'm like oh my gosh yes finally i've been looking at these giant piers in florida and i've been wanting to jump off of polar in the florida uh, it's their version of a polar plunge which means just going in the water in december for them um which for us is you know basically summer in any of our lakes so i i think uh brent and i made a point of going in the gulf every single day we were there so it wasn't absolutely it wasn't a polar plunge for us at all we even when it was raining like one day like all day we still went into the went into the gulf just to say that we went in every single day but um polar plunge at the pier so i'm like pumped up and i'm thinking like oh gosh this is gonna be fun i've i've not cliff jumped for a while and, and that's that's basically a cliff and then uh my more safety conscious family members uh, or family members to be on that side uh, were quick to point out that it's not safe to jump off of the piers and there are <laughs> large waves coming in and uh, the supports for the piers Nancy. go out in these different directions. And I'm sitting here like, okay, well, general so, rule that I was, general so? rules I was given for life are if you're going to be dumb, just be smart about it. Okay. The waves are coming in this direction uh, and you jump off the side of the pier that is not getting smashed into into the pier. Like don't don't piss into the wind. Don't jump into the side of the don't jump into the side of the pier that's, that's getting get wave smashed. Into the pier. Yeah. Right. Like that's that you just if you're gonna be dumb, be smart about it. Those are my, you know, father's only words to me going to college. If you're gonna be dumb, be smart about it. Same concept. Like I can jump off a pier, no problem. Uh, it is technically illegal. I learned after the fact. Uh, we went there. I was super excited. And no, it's it's polar plunge at the pier. So the the, the Floridians were just uh, gathering at the pier as a point of reference, and they had sold shirts for some uh, cause. I'm sure it was. Uh, a medical cause of some variety or other, but they were selling their shirts and then they thought they were being just ridiculous of going into the Gulf in December. And they were so silly with their polar plunge. <laughs> How and, ridiculous. <laughs> I remember hearing about that. At all accounts. Nick and I had been hyping Crazy. that up all week. We were very excited for this polar plunge. I had to leave to get back to Wisconsin. I think a little bit earlier than the event happened because we were driving and Nick was flying. So nice. But uh, I remember hearing Nick tell us the story and just being so bummed because you look at this pier out in the distance and, oh, if you jump from that pier, how cool would that be? Brent, was it like a Bay Jammer pier? 
Yeah, I taller probably. It was like one of the ocean piers. Yeah. Which obviously you think about now would probably hurt if you jumped off of it, but and thing is, I've jumped off of higher than that. Into and, the water. And then even even uh, even uh, even Megan's point was, oh well, the waves. What if you time it poorly? Yeah, I wasn't Don't worried about that. Time it poorly. You literally just pick the top of a wave and jump into it, and it just carries you along. I expected no, make sure your legs are bent a little bit. <laughs> I was expecting no, whoever was running it would be a belly flop. <laughs> yeah, the belly flop. Then you don't. Then you know for sure you're not going that deep, or you're going to break a leg or something. Whoever's exactly. leading the thing would be professional and obviously know when to tell people to jump. You know, if they were doing it right. But to hear that it was just let's go swim in the ocean for like a duck and like polar plunge. Isn't a polar plunge where you cut the ice open in the lake and you go in? It is. You, know, you need to for go us, under the ice. For us, yeah. it is in the Midwest. Yeah. But uh, at any rate, I, I only brought up that story because that was the last like cliff jumping opportunity that I've had since college, really. And uh, I would say um, I would I would do. I, I really don't have anything against it. Uh, I've always wanted to go skydiving now for whatever reason. And I know it's not how it works, but just my brain mentally, uh, I want to be under 250 if I'm going skydiving. There is a weight limit right now. Dylan and I, I am too heavy diving. right now in my mind. And uh, even if I did get like a bigger parachute or whatever it's, it would it's take. So, that. Say for skydiving, it's a combined weight of you and your instructor. So like you would have to get like the itty bitty chick. That's the instructor to go with you. So it's just the combined weight of the two of you. Uh, so yeah. Like, yeah, Dylan and I went skydiving once. Uh, trying to think of what the weight limit was. I don't was remember it what it was. Pounds it, it, well, it was a combined thing. I, I, I don't remember. They recommended a person under 200. But there's also yeah. like a combined as long as your your partner like or your instructor was a certain weight, you were fine. Yeah, yeah. and I was like at two hundred at the time and they're like, Oh, that's fine. Like it wasn't Yeah, so I'd actually have to lose a pretty significant amount of weight, which I want to do anyway long term. But um it, it's it's on my to do list. It's it's something I'd I'd like to do. I don't really have a fear of of making that jump. And yeah, I've always been like that whole taking the jump and committing has never really bothered me. Like I, I don't, if, if I'm, if I know I'm jumping off this cliff, if I've made that decision, I'm making that decision. And I know that if I were to ever hesitate, it would be so much worse. Oh yeah. That's those the big are all, thing. All those YouTube Have you seen it? Yeah. The YouTube people. videos of people panicking and then tumbling. That would be the worst. Yeah. Well, yeah. So are you, you say that, that you don't panic, but like when you, they open up that door in the side of the airplane and you're looking out at nothing, like just open world. Uh, I freaked out. Like, I, I don't know. I guess for me personally, I think I was one of the first was, yeah, I was right you, before you, you were the right? first one to go. Oh yeah. I was the first one to go. So your very first time skydiving, they strap you onto somebody that knows what they're doing. They give you a I little so. instructional thing where it's like, <laughs> you know, hold your arms like this until I tell you, but whatever. And so you, you go up with somebody, they have like benches. They, they have this airplane that's just completely gutted out. Uh, and then they have these benches that you can get two tip or at least for ours, you can get two rows of people on there, you know, two benches total facing like forward backwards in the airplane. So everybody yeah. just kind of piles onto those. And then the more experienced skydivers that are individuals just pile into the back of the plane. Like they don't sit on the benches. Like those are for the tandem people. And then, yeah, they just took off circled all the way up. And I will say like when they opened that door, like that was pretty crazy. Like just looking down, but like, I guess in my mind, even jumping out of the plane or I guess even when we showed up, I'm like, I'm jumping. Like there's no yeah, way I'm I mean, not jumping. I was, 
So I, the same. Like I knew I was gonna go, but I was just like, there's definitely a wave of fear that when you jumped out, I was like, oh shit, now it's my turn, and I got really nervous. <laughs> I guess they, yeah, I, like because I was first, I didn't see anybody jump before me, so I could see how that might actually add a little something to it, where it's like, yeah. well, they're gone. Like but those. People- I'm a lot more comfortable with skydiving than I am bungee jumping. Like I don't think I'll ever go bungee jumping just because I have seen. So many videos, like I don't, I don't trust rubber bands. I just don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't like know, rubber bands. I don't know if I'd enjoy it. Like the whole like. Well, then you hang upside down for like it. a couple minutes. Like it sounds like the very first bounce, assuming you don't get some crazy whiplash shit, would be amazing, and then I'd be over it. Like, well, yeah, that's, a, that's the point. How long? It's the fall. That's the part that's real interesting. Same with the skydiving. It's like that. That those nerves that you were feeling up there daily, like that's, I would have to imagine part of the best part of it. Well, you the take best that step out, you have that fear of the unknown. That's something you can't get very often in daily life, man. And that's why on the zip line, my favorite part is stepping off the zip line, that split second where you're just like, Oh, I hope it catches me. Like <laughs> bungee jumping, that first fall down would be phenomenal. And then once you know, it catches you and you just kind of go boom, boom, boom. You're like, yeah, mm. it just gets, I mean, it gets progressively less fun as you, you know, I'm sure your second bounce is probably okay. But yeah, after that, it starts just getting less and less fun. I was like, skydiving, okay, get me the up. best part was definitely the fall. So like, and it was like you say, like I say fall is if, I mean, obviously you're falling, but like in like relation to me, like you are, you don't get that feeling of falling. Like, you no. know, when you jump off something high up, when you're skydiving, you don't get that feeling. I didn't, the only that, time I felt that is when you deployed the parachute. Yeah. It's the only time I got scary. a stomach feeling. That was, that was the scariest part. Yeah, for sure. When they deploy the parachute. Oh yeah. yeah. That's because like instantly your harness. So like I've been climbing before. And it's like, yeah, you hike that hard. Like the first couple of times going climbing, they hike the harness super tight. And you're like, ah, this is uncomfortable, but I trust you. And you go and you get caught a couple of times. And then you kind of like know how tight you need it to be comfortable climbing. Whereas with yeah. with skydiving, like they, re- they reach this thing tight. And I'm like, I mean, I've put on a climbing harness before. I understand what tight is, but this is really tight. That and was the, tight. The moment the parachute goes off, you're like, oh, fuck. It just got three or four times tighter. Like, yeah, it was, yeah, it, it's, and you wouldn't want it any looser. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, well, right after, once it catches you, like I had to tell my guy, cause like, I don't know, my leg straps were li- like, literally my legs were going numb from the leg straps. And I was like, yeah, can, sure. can we do anything about this? And so my, the guy was able to like reach down. There's like a couple straps attaching you to him or the, your person, which makes sense. But he was able to like loosen two specific ones that kind of like made it a lot more enjoyable for me to hang there. Cause like, yeah, like nine out of the nine tenths of the time coming down is you just parachuting. Like the, the yeah. free fall is only like a good, I don't know. What would you say Dylan? Like 30 that seconds. Good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was about 30, 30 seconds, which is actually a good amount of time. Oh, for sure. I, it was one of those things where it's like, Oh, like this is amazing. Like they're probably going to stop it soon. And it's like, no, they haven't stopped it. Okay, I, you, you can like kind of think about more things as you go down. It's not, uh, it's not. You had a lot more it's time a, falling. Oh my god, I'm falling and parachute. It, it's, right, it, exactly. Like you're was, actually like you just you get to enjoy it. You're literally just like in the moment. There was a lot or, more like, time falling than I expected. Yeah. And because you're going so fast with the adrenaline, it seems a lot slower. Like you feel like you're processing a lot more things. 
something I'd, I'd definitely like to do uh, at some point in life. Um, I, I, I enjoy that. Now, I would put – I'm not in disagreement on the rubber band aspect of, of bungee jumping. I, I don't want to put myself in unnecessary peril. And then you have to, like, start asking yourself, well, well when's a good time to, you know, maybe – go die like so I, I, I don't <laughs> what i don't have to ask myself those. well right if you're planning if you're planning and you have reserves about skydiving or reserves about bungee jumping you're like oh well i better make sure i have a life insurance policy before i go bungee jumping. <laughs> dude they like, make what? you sign so much stuff you're sitting there and you're, you're making a decision about when to do those and i i've unfortunately backseated skydiving to at some point I, i'd like to do it but i have no idea when that's going to be uh, that may be like a, a retirement gift for myself is like go jump out of a plane and then everyone I've pissed off in my career can make sure I've got a, a lead balloon for a parachute. So uh, we can figure that one out. But I will say it's not how that works. works. I don't think that's up to code. Lead yes, balloons. Thank you. <laughs> I wouldn't wait that long uh, because your body's going to take that, that impact and the harness a lot more hard than your body can right now. That makes sense. Like I the, agree, the but hardest I think hurt. I saw like the world record for the oldest person to go skydiving was like. You cut off completely there, Nick. I can't hear you. I, I thought the I thought the world record for the oldest person to go skydiving was like ninety something. Yeah, my grandma Probably. went whitewater rafting at eighty six or something. Like oh that. dang! Nice <laughs> way to That's go. Pretty good. Had she been before? Yeah. Or was that literally her first no, time? No, that was that was her first. Like she just wanted to go before she died. So like at like in her eighties, she was like, "I want to go white walking." So my my family, they're just like, "All right," and then like, um, we'll get it going for you. Life. Yeah, that's awesome. On the uh, one more note on the skydiving on my mother's my mother's brothers, uh, my cousins uh, on my mother's <laughs> side, obviously uh, are. Your brother's cousin's flying, second I roommate. They are just my straight cousins, but it's a distant relationship because of the age gap between my mother and her brother. Uh, at any rate, my cousins uh, on that side are both involved with flying. I believe may have been pilots. One of them was a skydiver for a, a number of years. One of the instructors who would make jumps, you know, several jumps a day. So that's that's kind of in my in my blood with respect to uh, flying and skydiving, but just haven't made it a priority. Uh, looking forward to the opportunity to do it sometime in the future. Uh, before I continue with other fun potential things to do on this mystery honeymoon, uh, was there other other things you guys wanted to jump in with? I think we got time for like one more bigger topic before it'll be Game of Thrones time. Yeah, I like the honeymoon uh, conversation. I remember my honeymoon in Costa Rica. We went paragliding, something like we'd never do this normally, but it's the honeymoon. We got to do it and really enjoyed it. It was, I imagine, sort of like the falling aspect of the, the parachute, the skydiving without the initial fall and having to be jerked around and got to see the whole area from a, a completely different view. And, and that was really cool. Uh, I, Paragliding is another really kind of a fun way. And the nice thing about that was we could do that together. So we just were able to experience that at the same time. Yeah. Sorry. One one really quick note is that Brent, you reminded me, Nick, a lot of times they actually have like dual people zip lining. So you can have, you can both go down on the same zip line. So you're likely fine depending on how big the 
function area is. Yeah, right? but sorry, Dylan. She's... Response to that. Sorry, Dylan. Um, yeah, then she's going to want to go zip lining with me and I'm going to be like, let's go. And she's going to sit there and be like, no, 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 no. And then scream like <laughs> for the first 30 seconds and maybe then well, her you don't have to worry break. about that because she's uh, attached to the line and no, no matter how so much are you. Screaming, going down, you go, she goes, go. we're going together. <laughs> Either way. Uh, Brent is a uh, paragliding. Is that where you basically have a parachute on the ground and you guys like run down a hill until the parachute like fills up? And then so you the just way they this was on a beach. Um, so Is it the one of the, they had the boat things? They, yeah, they strapped us on. Oh. And they had a boat, like a jet ski, pull us or something like that to get the Let's speed up. Uh, and it went really high. It was it was pretty impressive. Uh, the the best part was we had a jet ski was able to pull you. Oh no, it wasn't a jet ski. I think they had a boat, but we got a jet ski. Like like a I was gonna say, dang, that's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing. No, 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 no. It wasn't the jet ski. It was the boat pulled us out. The jet ski got us back. I knew there was a jet ski. Have you ever seen uh, videos on YouTube of the lines breaking on that and like the people flying away and the big parachutes and like hitting like hotels and stuff? Oh no! Uh, no yeah, I don't, I don't watch those kind of things. That, well, that'll that'll petrify you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, well, I'm glad I didn't see that before. Actually, the, the operation was pretty well run. I was impressed. I think the scariest thing was giving our phone over to the guide so they could take pictures with it and just being like, "Hey, take my phone." Please like, don't drop this in the water. Or, like, don't steal it, like, whatever you want. It's our like, only connection back to the United States of America. But they got mm. really cool pictures of it, and I'm really glad we did it. And I've I'm done that a couple that video. times, and uh, it seems to me that every time I do it, it seems a little sketchy. But I think that's part of the... <laughs> that's part of the fun, Dylan. God, I'd be slightly sketchy. I don't know how to... I feel like that's all of those kind of events in foreign countries, especially, like, you know, Mexico, Costa Rica, like... Jamaica. You know, yeah, it's just, you know, any event like that. Like, there's a little bit higher risk of dying here than if I were to do this in America. <laughs> but if I was in America, well, they'd make me sign a bunch of shit. So, you know, I don't know. There's a payoff there. Or have you ever seen them come flying in the jet skis, like, into the beach and, like, launch up onto the beach, like, all the way up, like, 100 feet, where they just, like, come in, like, yep, super fast, and they just, like, all the way up on the beach? That's so cool. And that's got to be bad for their jet skis. Oh, yeah. They don't care at all. I would say for, for my honeymoon, the coolest like excursion thing we did uh, was like a catamaran tour. So, I mean, I got I got sold it, but I, I thought it was a pretty good price. I think it was like 60 bucks total for both of us for the entire day. You got a free lunch and drinks on board. So I was like, oh. yeah, right. I was, it was in Mexico. It's like yeah, Cancun and like, yeah, that, whatever. Like we had nothing else to do the next day. We were in like the shopping area and this one guy was selling it. That was, I mean, that was the sketchy part. It was like this one guy was selling it in like this like rickety cart. And he's like, oh, and you do so much down today and you pay the rest tomorrow. I'm like, dude, if we show up at this address and there's nobody there, like <laughs> this guy just fucked us out of 30 bucks. It's like, damn. So yeah, we, we had, he was right next to the the place that like the hotel buses dropped us off on. Like there was a, like a mini market there that was all under like one owner. Like it was all like indoor and air conditioned. So there's a little bit of money behind it. Right. And he was like affiliated with that place. So it was like slightly less sketchy than literally like the tent cities of vendors in Mexico. But we went, we went on this catamaran tour and I was under the impression that we were going to be sailing and I had the wrong impression. It was so sad. At one point, I was like, are we going to put the sail up? And he's like, yeah, we'll put the sail up on the way back. 
And in my head, I'm like, oh, they need to get us there to like make sure we're on time for lunch. Take our time and sail back. Got it. But nope. Nope. Turns out uh, they just motored us across the water to the lunch place. On the way there, we stopped. We snorkeled. That was super awesome, except they gave us these stupid, like, life preserver belt things. So, like, I got some decent footage with my GoPro, but I had to put effort into getting down 30 feet. Like, I'm I'm typically, uh, I'm a pretty good swimmer, so I, I had to put a lot of effort into getting down there because I had the damn belt on. But we did snorkeling, ate, and on the way back, they're like, oh, time to put on the sail. Uh, they put the sail, they literally just stretched out the mainsail and locked it horizontally. So, like... On a ship, you see like the two sails, one in the front, one in the back. The back mm-hmm. one's called the mainsail. They just fully deployed it and locked it horizontal. Like it was a sunshade. It didn't do anything for. So they still motored. Yeah, they the just motored up. all the way back and they just, we put the sail up. <laughs> it was like, ah, ah, this sucks. How was lunch? The lunch was awesome. Like everything else was awesome. I was just highly disappointed on the sailing capabilities of that <laughs> catamaran. Uh, yeah, I'm sure the capabilities were there. It's probably the <laughs> yeah, right. It's just they, it. they had a business, right? Went to Cozumel for a uh, wedding of my cousin, and uh, that that kind of an excursion was easily the the best part of the trip. And we saved it for like the second to last day, and it was something very similar where yeah we got you know the family that was there on the boat we got to go to two or three snorkeling places there was a lunch place we stopped off at got that and then the other thing about the lunch place which was really unique are those inflatable like playgrounds essentially slides climbing walls oh yeah I've the seen whole those. nine yards like they have the country fairs and stuff right they had an entire build worth of like huge inflatable things got to do some of that before and after our lunch. And it was an absolute blast. The snorkeling was fantastic. Um, drinks on the boat was super cool. And then yeah, coming back home with the sunset in the distance, it was it was the best day by far. Uh, it may have helped that I was double fisting for most of it, but it was <laughs> it was easily the the best day vacation. Uh, of that whole vacation. I um, at the risk of my family and friends who who might listen judging me, I, I don't think I was sober for more than fifteen minutes the entire time I was in Mexico. We need to do a drinking episode. We had to do Mexico right there. Right? Yeah, it was it was pretty epic. Only uh, the one issue I had, and, and actually it was only one. Uh, the time I didn't remember snorkeling was a little scary for some of my family, but I'm a great swimmer too. So <laughs> they're just like Nick, you want to go snorkeling again? And I looked at him like again. And my my aunt about lost her mind. Like, what do you mean? You went yesterday? I'm like, really? What did Whoa. I see? <laughs> did I GoPro it? <laughs> and yeah, she. She's, she was, yeah, I, I was, I was on my own and, and she, she was a little terrified. And yeah, I think even my cousins kind of looked at me like, you seriously don't remember going snorkeling. You were out there for like your own, <laughs> like, cool. Oh, dang. But at so, some point uh, in time in the future here, we'll have to do a drinking episode. And we can talk about, you know, a bunch no, of drinking stories. No, that's my stories. worst one probably. 
But the uh, the point <laughs> the the only problem I had in Mexico was we did a family picture and we dressed up a little bit for that. And I stood with my family where the photographer put us, and I realized there was an itching feeling on my leg. While my cousin looks down before I did because I was so juiced up, I didn't care. Um, and my cousin looks at me and says, "Nick, you're you're covered in ants." And I oh, had no. I was standing on an ant colony, and uh, they got about halfway up my shin, and I was in sandals, and that's why my cousin saw it. And uh, yeah, What'd we got do? all off as fast as we could. Just brush them off, but nothing. Well, that is interesting. Let's see if it swells up. And it did a little bit, but nothing nothing to be scary. It wasn't like a, a horror scene or anything. It was just, yep, you were bitten a bunch by some ants. Well, it didn't start to itch until two days after I got back to the U.S. I think that's when I sobered up. And it itched so bad. Oh. I didn't feel like I was still in Mexico for another, or Cozumel for another two days, I think. And I never noticed it once. Well, that's probably the, the, that was the, the state that was the state I was in, uh, which I uh, have no regrets about. But <laughs> I digress. Okay, I had I had ants no, one no. time. Oh, no. Brent, oh, Brent, we're running out of time here. Story. We got we had two we'll things fine. to get to. Nothing happened during that last episode of Game of Thrones anyway. So nothing to talk about. All right. Well, All you're right, delaying, fine. so I'm gonna start it. Ant story later. <laughs> Go ahead. No, do your ant story. I, I, it'll be a long time since we hit the ant topic again. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, okay, so just real quick. Oh, one summer uh, while I was in grad school, the water for my apartment, place I was staying at, went out. And what happened were all these ants, there must have been right next to the pipes or whatever. Um, there was just a colony of black ants and the the, the big ones. And they just infested because they just came up through the pipes and took over the house. And just waking up in the middle of the night to an ant biting you in the back is just like, oh, uh, that's my ant story. Ant bites suck. I feel for you, Nick. That must have been rough. All right, go ahead. It's time for Game of Thrones. If you have not fully caught up to season eight, episode three of Game of Thrones, you might want to turn away now. We will be having uh, Avengers Endgame right after this discussion. So if you want that but don't want Game of Thrones, we'll throw a timestamp in the description. That way you guys know what time to skip to in the podcast so you don't get uh, some Game of Thrones spoilers that you don't want. Let's go. Dylan, let's have you start this one off. So I'm reading this article by GameSpot. It's a Game of Thrones Long Night Review, Season 8, Episode 3. Uh, pulled one terrible twist. Now, I'm trying to think. Uh, I didn't really, when I was watching the episode, I didn't really think of anything in there that was just like a twist. It was all kind of like what I expected. Obviously, we knew that the battle would start this episode. Um, but there wasn't really anything that I was just like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so I don't, I'm kind of interested to read this and see I, where they go with that. I would say I was surprised. Uh, like I'm gonna butcher her name. I apologize. The Melisandra or whatever the the oh the red woman Lord of the Light. Yeah, I I was surprised that she came back. So I mean, it was very convenient timing that right before the battle, she's traveled all the way across the ocean and made it. But it works. It works. But that that was a surprise to me. I didn't expect her to be there. Yeah, I think there was a lot of uh, talk about that because a lot of the 
the people that are super hardcore into Game of Thrones know that like all the prophecy stuff she's made in the past. And it's like one of the one of the ones was something to the effect of like, I'll be there when the night, when the winter comes or like basically I'll, I'll die in Winterfell over there. So like there's people already predicting that she was going to be there for that battle. But yeah, her entrance was definitely like when I saw it, I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. Yep. They did do that. But her, her entrance was definitely unexpected. The, my biggest complaint is besides the darkness of this episode. And I know the producers were doing a lot of backlash on, Oh, it needs to be dark, blah, blah, blah. We need contrast. Like we could not see anything that was going on. Like the Dothraki scene, that one made sense a little bit to not really see, but everything yeah, that else was cool. Was that was cool. Pretty bad. And I, I know Nick wants to talk about this, the battle strategies, but <laughs> some strategies are very questionable in the episode with the whole sending in the Dothraki on their own initially. Although the flaming of the swords, like she flames the swords, which is that like, was okay, cool, cool stuff's about to happen. And then she just, they all go and die. Were they, well, first off, uh, that was probably my favorite scene of the whole episode was Dothraki. Um, and were the screen, like Dothraki screamers, were they supposed to charge into battle? I feel like they weren't. I feel like they were def- like supposed to be defensive. And then after the Red Woman lit their swords on fire, it motivated them and they took off. That's a strategy. If, if, I may, Jorah if I may, I can the... answer that. Sorry, Brent, did you want to? Oh, no. I, yeah, go I ahead. I guess Jorah yeah. was with them. Sir yeah, Sir was, like, was was with them and commanding their unit because he knows how to speak their language. Um, the The battle plan is in reference to comments from prior seasons. Uh, I believe Robert Baratheon was the first one to say to Cersei Lannister, only a fool would face the Dothraki in open battle. And the thought here was the Dothraki are, are very fearsome fighters, especially when mounted and attacking. Um, send them in out a a first line or two and let that because they know it's a it's a it's a losing fight at least at first they they know what's coming but they're thinking okay the dothraki send them in let them butcher the first line or two after they've taken some casualties we'll know where we're at and then they can potentially after that you would say if they can rally and then come back as a, a late charge to at any weak points uh, service utility there. So was it great to charge in? Um, no, but was the strategy sound based on what they had shared with the, in the, in the world of Westeros? Yes, because everyone recognized that in open battle, the Dothraki are basically unstoppable. And uh, it was interesting and maybe a, a bit of a sin within the, the Westerosi universe uh, to have Dothraki who survived be seen running back like terrified um now for the for the sake of the show like okay that makes sense but like their whole thing is they just go in and kill everybody and like they have no regard for anything well maybe that's maybe they intentionally had a couple come back for the whole that whole effect well they're not supposed to see that but you do see that in a couple of them like it's terrifying that even the death are running away right and yes that was uh, the the scene itself with the Dothraki's flames going out I, I totally agree. That makes perfect sense into the darkness. Um, cool. But I will take a lot of jabs at the at the strategy. They, what they were trying to put together, they they accomplished. Was it the best version of what it could have been? I will say no. Uh, as a 
John and Ghost super fan. Um, I was super disappointed that Ghost charged in and we never saw him again. Now he was seen in the he died how of, he how he lived off screen. No, he didn't. <laughs> I, I know I know he didn't, he didn't die, die, but I saw that saying the night of and I thought it was funny. Actually, yeah. I th- I think they misused Ghost this episode when they were having the battle with the dragon. John could have had Ghost there with him, and those two could have tried to like take on the dragon. I think that would have been really compelling, not to have. Oh, you have They're a dire that's the crap like out supposed ghost. to protect. You have a dire that's supposed to protect you, but Ghost used to be a main be character. He was like almost a tier two character at one point, and now he's he's not even there. They're way underusing him. They should be using him as a character. So, if I may, moving moving past Ghost, and I, I love talking about Ghost, but I'll I'll move past for the sake of uh, getting through everything in a, a remotely timely manner. The, the next thing uh, I'd like to poke at, as far as the issues I had, um, they they accomplished their goal. It's it's a it's a good episode. I I will not put it as a great episode. Uh, now, part of that is I watched uh, Endgame, and that was amazing in my opinion, and like it set the bar so high that you know this unfortunately fell short but the reasons it fell short as kyle alluded to it, everything was so dark and i think for the dothraki scene they're running away from winterfell there are no flames that makes a lot of sense but then there were other scenes later on where you literally are staring out into the darkness which is great that's what a soldier would be like and that's what the directors were going for but i'm laughing my rear end off because it's like oh yeah you know biggest budget for the largest cinematic production of a battle in the history of of anything yeah and, i remember somebody uh, on reddit was yeah. like a pis- a picturesque shot from tonight's like episode and it was literally just a yep. black square and you you look off into the darkness it's like oh yeah that's the army of the undead you know never ending waves of dead corpses animated to come take on winterfell well, where are they? Oh, they're there. They're there. Just take my word you for never it. See the, <laughs> you never see the scale of it. You never there see is. That's the thing, too. The, the amount of people on screen was convenient for the plot at all times. Not realistic. Yeah. Like uh, That's that's my next dig. Not enough important people died. A lot of characters did die. A lot of plot armor. Um, but, but a, yeah, so much plot armor. You're only the third episode of six, and no one overly compelling that didn't make sense died. And the, they only, died. the only the only semi tier one the only semi tier one was Theon. Eh, yeah, he's not even tier one. He's well, tier Mormont, he, well, died. he was he was for a number of seasons. I would put yeah, Mormont not, as not tier two. I, I, I like would say that's more well, yeah, but his arc was complete. He had redeemed himself. He had cured himself of grayscale, and he died fighting for his queen. Like that, that all makes makes perfect sense i mean it's 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 a good arc closing but there wasn't the big hit the oh no uh the red wedding type scene like it 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 just wasn't that well done and the the last dig before i let you guys dive into some more details and what your thoughts are is constantly throughout the episode and this was consistent they would show a main character brienne jamie whoever it may be the dog piling Dogpile, they would get swarmed and, you know, they show one or two of them getting saved. I think Samuel Tar- Tarly got saved like six times or something, uh, which why was he not in the crypts? But whatever. I digress. But they kept showing, OK, yep, they would be in a horrible situation and miraculously they would survive. And then they would have like a minute to breathe. And then as they pan away from that person, like they show eight people collapsing on Brienne. Like, OK, well, I guess Brienne just died there and she doesn't. But every time they panned away to go to a new story, 
they just made it look so much more dire. Like, did they die? Look at the scenes. No. Did they, they die? They overdid it. No. Well, right. They they overdid it every single time. Where every time, right before you leave a character, you think they're about to die. Even even Jon Snow when uh, he's chasing after the Night King. The Night King raises all the dead, uh, and he's sitting there. And I think that was another meme I saw online, Kyle, was where he's chasing after the Night King to try and go fight him. The Night King says, ha I'm just going to raise all the dead and you can deal with them. He's literally surrounded in the scene. Right. And then magically, the next time you see him, he's managed to fight his way single-handedly through what was easily 50 zombies to then have all of them be on one side of him to then... Oh, Nick, wait, they are you have obviously never sides. played TMNT, the video game, because you can just spin as Donatello with your staff and you just kill everything around you for a little bit. Evidently, but it was <laughs> it was so consistent with every single character. You would pan away and you're like, well, they're dead. Yeah, well, and even when it got to the Jon Snow part, you're like, okay, how's he getting out of this? Like, you you don't expect him to actually die. He's not at risk to right. you. He's like, oh, right. how's he going to get out of it this time? It was overdone in that sense. Like, I, I felt the peril. I was there with the characters, but they made it... And, and, and I, This is the world of magic and dragons and direwolves and all this bullshit. And, and to to make it that unreal, where it's like, okay, I can accept, you know, some stupid, crazy nonsense and some magic, but I'm sorry. I just watched eight dudes all collapse on one person, and you're just going to say, oh, well, they got away, obviously. Like, What? No. That that all being said, I did highly enjoy this episode. I thought it was it was fun to watch. Like I mean, stuff actually happened. Uh, there's uh, been a lot of seasons of Game of Thrones where there's chunks of time where it's nothing, but stuff happened. I I did like the whole Arya uh arc through the through the uh, episode. Um I I think there was a lot of talk online about, you know, they're supposed to be the promised prince. So I was like, is Arya the promised prince now? Is the is the Night King actually dead? Because I thought Jon Snow was supposed to be the promised prince. So it's like... If I may, I get the feeling that the writers of the show have don't really care about that really too much. Is the feeling I get. But like, it's supposed to actually follow what George R. R. Martin has planned. So like, theoretically, unless he decides to change it, whatever the ending of the show is, is very close to what Martin's currently planning for the end of the books. So they have to get to that got, eventually. Uh, I've got two things. The first one is, uh, how did you guys feel about the captain of the Unsullied like closing the door and leaving his entire arm inside and then running it inside himself? I was just like, I feel like that's... I don't know. I felt like that was not very yeah, noble that, of I him think that's another version of plot armor. Every other time... We have seen Grey Worm lead his army. He's always the front guy at all times. Like, and then he everyone that would have been a perfect may, that would have been a perfect I moment may. for him there to die. Like, I will make sure everybody I gets agree. inside the castle. Agree, and if I may, that's that's another major point. In the first waves of the enemy, when Tormund is looking that to his left, awesome. There are that literally so cool. waves. Like these these monsters are not trying to go kill anything individually they are moving like a wave and they do not feel pain crawling right. crawling and climbing over one another and just enveloping everything which uh if you see the preview for the next episode they show all kinds of people are alive other than the heroes which you never saw so presumably 
half of Daenerys's unsullied and army that apparently are still survived alive out there somehow. were just buried in this wave and getting you know bit and clawed at but never died but at any rate like you have all those main characters jamie brienne um gray worm all those main characters were in the goddamn front and were getting rolled by this wave and magically they kept backing up and everyone else just stepped up to die while the heroes are backing up like what yeah i will say that is so poorly done when they started that and i like i saw that i thought that was one of my favorite scenes in the whole episode where you see like the waves of these zombies coming over the the uh, unsullied it's like oh shit like and then you see like the main character looked the main character looks back forward it's like how many main characters are we about to lose like, yeah. I was like, how many, like, there's got to be a good portion that are about to just be gone. Like, who can actually be gone to, over this? I have to scoot. I'll be back for the end game discussion. Okay. But yeah, it was like, how many are going to be gone? There's got, there's got to be a good portion of them gone. Like, how many are they going to have left? And then they all survive. It was just well, like, that's why uh, I'm, that's, that's why I'm reserving my, my feelings about this episode until next. There's a lot of things about that that I'm just like, why did this happen? Or, or why, why are these characters still alive? Or, or why is it that the way the night king died if he's actually dead that happened and, and i want to see where they go next like what is next episode what's the aftermath of this to see is there something more to this episode that they're keeping these people alive for for a reason or was it just because we just don't want to kill these characters that we've grown to love and we pay these actors too much you know or that kind of thing you know? um, um another thing i have is uh last week you guys totally called um the night the what was it the Night King, whatever he's called, being able to resurrect the dead down in the crypts? Uh, I was I called like, that. Nick was against that. I was that. really impressed by that. But the thing that I could see Nick being against that uh, is because it doesn't make sense. Um, because the Night King is able to, I thought, I thought he was able to resurrect only people that his armies, ha- like underneath him, have killed. I don't think so. Because in Castle Black, they burned all bodies. Um, that's the only example I can think. Okay, as well, like in Castle Black, I guess I I know there's a couple bodies that came in that they were bit, and like after him they just burned everything. But I thought they were like burning everybody that was dying, even if it wasn't by one of the evil people. I I guess I don't recall. No, I I just thought I I remember from the beginning, like earlier seasons, that that's how they described as anyone that they killed, they were able to resurrect into their own army, but. My my yeah. flaw, my thought was it was whoever, like the Starks buried their dead with an iron sword or something to prevent them from rising again, which obviously must not have been the case. I, you're right though; it doesn't quite line up that they would be out of the crypts. Plus, they're in these giant, strong wooden things, and they're dead. Like, how strong are they? Yeah, right. These they like, like these they should be dust or... at this point in time. Like, some of those guys are hundred. Like, some of those crypts are hundreds and hundreds of years old. They should literally be dust. But they're just able to punch through cement. Uh, definitely built up the relationship between Sansa and Tyrion. I thought that was kind yeah, of yeah. I can I could get behind that. I liked that. That was a good moment. I actually thought they were gonna do like a double suicide or. Or something with a yeah. little bit more. Uh, yeah, not I was just like teleport to where all the other people are. I thought there was gonna be something more after they were like, they're, yeah, they're right, like about to go here. charge. Like we'll give it hell, and then the next scene they're just like cuddling in with everybody else. Yeah, did they kill people? What did they do down there? No, right. So I think they. I feel like from one position to another. Like Tyrion's not that good as a fighter, but I feel like he's good enough to take care of a couple zombies. Like 
Uh, or they they could just stayed there. Like, what was the point of that? I thought I thought it would be something a little bit more. Yeah, or like see zombies starting to come up the sides, like creeping out to them. Like, yeah, that was that was weak. I agree. But the the moment between the two was probably one of the top moments of the entire episode. Right. What was Santa's First line? Thing. Like, eh, you were the best of them. You know, something like that. Yeah, she said that before. Like, it was it was nice. It was touching. Hopefully, that builds some trust between the two of them. Yeah, there's another. Uh, obviously, there was another part where they uh, really put through. Or how am I trying to say this? There was another part where they really showed the relationship between the Hound and um, Arya. Arya, and how like that's what snapped him out of this flame thing. Yeah, he was just like, she needs help, and like that's when he was just like, oh, I need to go help her. I gotta keep working for this, even though we're supposed to lose. The Arya like indoor scene, I thought was a little weird. Like it was cool, but not it was cool in the sense that they kind of show her like assassiny. Like there's like some you know kind of paradigms behind. Uh, she looks into death. Like she da- has is she's dancing with death. Like it was kind of like there's some cool like paradigm thing with the whole assassin scenario with those guys. But I don't know, especially when like Beric Dondarrion came in and had to like save her. I thought he would go in a little better. Like he could have gone out in that same exact sequence, but he like just throws the sword and then just sca- gets stabbed a bunch of times. Like I'd much rather see him like fighting off people and like, you go, you well, go. He would, and, you, know, was, you did see that. He was, but he, he didn't have a sword. He instantly got rid of his sword. Which is his coolest part. Yeah. I, I thought he was going to like light himself his up. Fire sword. Yeah. Light himself he up. Or light himself crazy. on fire. That'd been cool. Like burn himself and hold yeah, the then, door. Like, hold a bunch of people. In a hallway or something. They spent too much of that budget on ghosts, showing ghosts a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> Evidently, uh, that, I, that wolf's I, expensive. The thing I didn't like about that scene, like I liked the scene, but I didn't get this till the end. How it sets up that she moves quieter than the sound of dripping blood. But based off she moved, it looked like she wasn't moving as quiet. You know, I they <laughs> didn't quite sell that she was this mass. It looked like she was just kind of sneaking back and forth. But like, was she that quiet? It, it didn't sell me that she was a master assassin with some of her moves. Actually, with your looked sort that's of, a good point. You'd think as a master assassin, she'd feel much more comfortable in her moves, like or confident. I guess would be the better word. You know, knowing that what she's about to do will, is going to work out for her. Yeah, like getting through and and that like it was cool the drop of blood. Like I, the internet told me this after that it was she's moving quieter than a drop of blood. But watching her move, it was like there's no way she's moving quieter than a drop of blood. It doesn't look like that. <laughs> well, they showed it when she was underneath the table and she was bleeding, and then the the zombie or the undead, whatever, like Looked. got down to like look underneath there, and she was gone. Like, yes, that was that was a cool her. moment. That was that like, around the door yeah. scene where she pops through the doorway and she has to stab the female zombie, the zombie like right head. through the neck. Yeah, that was good. that was that was a good little moment there. That was pretty cool. I think the only real. Besides, like, anytime the dragons were flying, I just couldn't watch. I was kind of disappointed that there weren't more cool, hey, this guy is dead and he got resurrected. Now I have to fight him moments. Like, oh, man. Yeah. Jorah I w- has to go kill they the showed animal all, They showed all the like, other guys getting risen. Like, the, the quote-unquote, you know, main characters getting risen. But they never showed them fighting another main character. That was, like, a, I want, that was a missed opportunity I want, for sure. I want Especially with Little Sam. Bear. Little Bear was badass. Yeah, I want to see like bear. the little uh, girl that stabs Leora. the troll in the eye. Oh yeah, yeah. the animal. Well, well, I want to see like Ed try and kill Sam. 
Like, I think that would have been cool or, or just like some kind of moment that was really compelling. Like, Hey, this person died in the battle and now I have to fight him. Maybe something more like go along that effect. Get, get, get a little bit more drama in there. Yeah. Um, well, that was definitely a missed opportunity. What's the I name was happy of the guy from the North that was in love with Brianna Tarth? What was his name? Oh, yeah, the red, the red beard guy. Tormund? Did he die? Torment. Torment. No, no, he's still, he's good. still alive. Seemingly, he lived. Uh, other thoughts. Sorry, I'm back. Uh, with respect to Arya and her in being in the library or whatever that was, where she was avoiding all the, um, all the zombies. Essentially, that was a that was a great scene, and I actually thought, well, I had a problem with it. Number one. Okay, you have an entire war going on, steel clashing, people dying, screaming, yelling outside. Inside can apparently hear your blood drip on the floor. That was a bit silly to me. But I love the scene because it hearkened to like a Jurassic Park where the uh, girl is hiding from the raptors. Yeah, the velociraptors in the kitchen thing. Exactly. And I thought it was similar to that as she works her way around uh, dodging everything and she has a, a great skill set. And um, another character I was really disappointed with was the Hound. Like his character arc was just jacked up that whole episode. Like he's reason for for living and surviving and he uh, is doing good, doing right by so many things. And he just gets scared by death. And then he's jarred out of it in supporting Arya because that's his reason for not dying. Like a loyal dog, essentially. is. His yeah, there's whole, not enough fire there for him to be as scared thing. as he was. Like, even if... Oh, and even that, he he, he now fights for dragon. the fire god. Like, what the hell? And he just... He, he curls up in a ball and, and inexplicably... They didn't... They didn't have to do that, is my point. They took a character whose arc should not have done that and that wasn't like an unexpected twist like oh my god i can't believe it. it's like no that's just dumb like that that doesn't that doesn't flow with everything that that didn't that just didn't sit well with me all right well I think well we- how are we wait one last with the hound how are we supposed to get excited for clanging bull now like if he can't stand up against some whites how is he gonna stand up against his well that's his own, that's his peak to redeem himself hopefully yeah hopefully. he's gonna panic during the fight with fire, and then somehow win by rolling out of it or some crap and doubt t- t- throw the mountain into a fire or you know, something like that. Yeah, I well, guess we'll see that. service, but that's just too much. I guess we'll see that in the end game. game uh, before we move on to the next movie, uh, what do you do? You guys have any predictions for the n- this next episode? Like, how long do you think Cersei's gonna wait to attack the north, or like, uh, what do you guys see coming up? I would say pr- from the previews, I think uh, the North is coming down to them. Um, I, I don't know. That's what I got. I, 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 it'll be interesting. I guess I don't really care as much. I don't know. Like, I have a hard time caring as Thank much you. about the Cersei battle. Thank you. The Cersei White was Carbatter. not meant to be the big bad here. She really wasn't. I mean, she is a, a horrible bad, certainly to be the big bad i don't know if you guys discussed this while i was uh in hiatus but literally have. the whole season opens beyond the wall in the north and they left it completely unanswered 
Uh, and basically all they're doing is HBO is selling their prequel series. Whatever prequel series to this that they're going to come out with a year and a half from now is going to be based around the creation, I'm sure, and the relationship of the Night King, Melisandre, and other characters who are uncharacter or like un magically aged. To not answer those questions, why was the Night King doing what he was doing? How do his generals, who did nothing that entire episode, uh, come into play? What's he trying to accomplish? Just the, oh yes, he's just trying to end the world and I'm the world's memory. Okay, Bran, so are you going to go to the Citadel now? Or are you going to go into some sort of, um, you know, exile Protective to go custody. To watch the world? So many unanswered questions, and I know I'm not going to get answers, and uh, they're going to fake like they're going to answer them or tease them with the prequel series, which is really irritating. And I already stated, but I'll state it again. The idea that all these Unsullied and all these characters we saw in the, the preview for next week um, are suddenly back alive. Everyone was dead in this episode besides a handful of people in the crypt and the heroes. Dead. Like, That's what I'm saying. I don't think there's an army to march south. Which there was like, like a golden company. Well, that's the, the thing is, like, obviously the they world. have the Golden Company, and I think what, like, as you're saying, that Cersei doesn't really matter. But I, I mean, they ended the whole battle between the Night King in Episode Three out of how many episodes? Like, I feel like yeah. so. If they I may, ended this over? too fast. Is is Winter <laughs> over? Because technically, the Night King is is he is Winter. This is the Winter? So with him dead. Is winter over? I know we're time warping since last season, essentially. But how do you get an army that should all be dead anyway south to do anything? Like the Glovers have like sixty some people who weren't didn't come to support the Starks. I hope they get roasted in their castle or whatever. Or but they were White Walkerified. Uh, no, they weren't on the way. That was the Umbers. Oh, wiped out the Glovers are in a different location um, and theoretically were not hit. I mean, they, they could be just a loose end, but they didn't come to the aid of Winterfell when, when they were called, despite all of their pledges and this and that and the other thing. So, they're, they're, okay, that's like 60 dudes you can pick up and maybe you can find, you know, a thousand men uh, who are still alive magically. But just to claim that we time warp and everyone's back. And, I mean, dragons I mean, help a bit. Bodies, the number of bodies. There were bodies piled enough to climb the walls throughout, like surrounding all of Winterfell. It would take you three years to dispose of that many bodies. One thing that was brought up is like, you know, some turned to ice, some turned to dust. Like the death of whites and even just the walkers has was changing even throughout the episode of how they died. Wildly inconsistent. Arya in the library turned to dust, to one, or do they and she like she zombie gooed all over her her outfit when she was in the library and yeah some of them get stabbed with the the dragon glass and they make the screeching noise and they collapse wildly inconsistent anyhow is that the difference between dragon glass and um what's valerian, the, steel? What's the, valerian steel no because like jamie and <laughs> dragon glass jamie and brianne were piling up because they were killing people with the the valerian steel i also forgot about um 
Oh, shoot. Why can't I think about it? They had the largest navy in the world or whatever. The Greyjoys? Oh. All right. I forgot about the Greyjoys because obviously, like, their uncle has the, the navy or whatever, but I feel like the Greyjoys are going to play a part in this next battle. Could be. That could be the reinforcement troops that they need in the north to I do anything. I think so. I think that's, what, I think that's where they're going to come from. Because right. there's obviously no troops, but... We're out of time. we got to switch out. Which Dylan? Dylan has not seen. Yep. I am out. The next Avengers yet, so I want to make sure we don't spoil anything for him. And when you find out Thanos, Thanos is a woman, it's going to be a little awkward. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, have a good night. I'll let you guys chat this up, and uh, I'll catch you guys next episode. See you, Dylan. All right. Oh, God, it's real loud. I apologize. Wow. <laughs> Knock that one down a bit. And yes, the movie was epic, but my goodness, that was quite the introduction. Kyle, what do you, uh, what do you, how do you want, what format do you want to take on this? Do you want to t- talk about the movie in general? Yeah, well, there'll to... be spoilers again. So again, if you have not seen Avengers Endgame, you might want to turn spoil away. Everything. We, we'll spoil everything. Uh, we're just talking about it. Can I, can I walk through the rough plot line and then we can kind of dissect parts we hated or parts we really liked or parts. That yeah. Give us, like uh, give us awesome. a background. Yeah, go an overall plot line before we dive into anything. How about that? Overall plot line uh, brought to you by Nick. Uh, movie starts with a cold opening. Uh, very nice as I was there opening night in a packed theater and uh, we were not ready for a cold opening. We went from previews to, oh, oh, this is it, uh, which was was pretty cool. Uh, it starts out with Hawkeye and Hawkeye was not in the last movie. He stepped away from the Avengers and was uh, raising a family. And we find Hawkeye there with his family on a, a beautiful summer day and they're having a picnic and he's teaching his daughter how to shoot. And as he is sitting there teaching her how to shoot, she, of course, shoots and hits a bullseye because it's Hawkeye's daughter. And what do you expect? Sorry, Nick, now, I think we're going to have to speed up the the rate of run through. Yes, I know. This is You're hitting a lot of details. Cool opening. Yeah, I, That's I, the I, biggest important part of the movie. He's setting up the entire it rest really of the movie is. here. Complete start over of, of, yep, this is where you left off. At any rate, he turns around uh, to see his family. Uh, as they're preparing dinner, turns around, his daughter's gone. And he's like, well, what the hell? And he's calling for her and he turns around and the rest of his family who were all standing there are gone. Um, and that kind of sets us all like, oh yeah, that just happened. Uh, fast forward, half of everyone is gone. The Avengers are struggling to figure life out. And a lot of people are having trouble dealing. Captain America is leading like a survivor support group. Um, you know, finding a way to move on. Oh, that was um, not yet. No, no, no. They have to, they went on their attempt first. Cause they, that was, it was right after it was like two days after the event. Yeah. They went and killed Thanos. They didn't. Okay. They did that after. Nope. Not after five years. They killed Thanos and then it was five years. Yeah. Kyle's right on this one. I, I, call it right. I think you skipped it. Barely, I'm barely I'm out of order. I'm gonna watch it again tomorrow because it was that good. So you gotta let us know if we were wrong. I I think Kyle's right on this one. They killed Thanos right after the snap because Thor was it, still fit and whatnot. It was like three minutes, like three, because that's what spiraled Thor five years later. Okay, you might you might be right, but uh, Captain Marvel arrives per the end scene um, and asks, "Where's Fury? It's not. Yeah, you know, he's not there." Uh, she rescues Tony Stark, who is leaving that lovely preview message we all saw for Pepper Potts. 
Um, Tony Stark comes back. Tony Stark's in rough shape and uh, he's just out of it for the foreseeable future. And then, yeah, the Avengers all get together and they locate Thanos via the energy signature. They're like, okay, yep, energy signature uh, that got rid of half the people was here. We saw another one just like it uh, on this planet and Nebula reveals, yep, he always talked about if he accomplishes his goal, he'll go to the garden. Assemble the Avengers who are there, less Tony Stark, and they come crashing in and pin Thanos to the ground. It's not a fight. It's not a competition. Um, And then Thanos reveals he has destroyed the stones. That's important because the Avengers were going to use the stones to undo the snap. Yeah. Uh, and, and Thanos destroyed... was already super weak because he had sna- every single time so, he snaps. It so takes... His body was decaying and he, he couldn't put up a fight. He didn't want to put up a fight. He, he thought he had won. He said that he was inevitable, um, meaning they couldn't mess with time uh, using the time stone or something else to undo uh, with the power of those stones because he used the power of those to destroy those. So uh, he's talking, he's on his power, you know, bad guy speech and uh, what I'm going to guess is maybe one third or half of the way through it. Uh, shocking moment. Thor just cuts his head off. That was pretty awesome. Coming, and Thanos is headless. And that's that. Uh, and then it's after done. that, the, that's they it? pan forward five years. And that's where you have the support group. Um, Hanson black widow is serving as Nick Fury and they're, they're going through the motions. They're protecting the planet. They're trying to do good things, but you can tell they're haunted every single day by, by what's happening. Um, There are other things that are occurring there. And the big thing is Ant-Man. The Ant-Man was left in the limbo of the, what's it called? The something verse quantum realm, quantum realm. Yep. Perfect. He was in the quantum realm, and uh, I've seen memes for this. The hero of Endgame was a rat, rat. because it, it, this is in like a compound uh, station where it, this van that was left out was put or impounded, whatever. And a rat was running through, walking through the van, and hit the right button to call Ant Man back out of the quantum realm. And what for Ant Man was a couple minutes was five years. For you said it was like yet. five hours. Yeah. They realize time works differently in in the quantum realm. So he comes back to Avengers headquarters, meets up with Captain America and Black Widow and is like, hey, so quantum realm, time travel, kind of a thing. And that opens up the possibility for, okay, how can we fix this? And they make all kinds of jokes about um, different movies and time travel and you can't break certain laws, which is pretty comical. But then they they assemble the Avengers. They get back together the team. Hawkeye, after the cold open, uh, is playing Ronan, uh, essentially a character in in the the comics. Uh, He's out just killing mobsters and gangsters, ruthlessly slaughtering them all. And uh, they, they pull him back. Uh, they pull in the Hulk, who is now Doctor Hulk, and <laughs> that's a that's a comic version of uh, a Bruce Banner and the that Hulk. Pretty mixed. good. Like they've come into one. It's Hulk looking scientific and dapper. Um, like, essentially, with the snap, half of Hulk died and half of Banner died, so they had to merge in order to become you know still alive. Doctor Hulk. So it's it's pretty cool, and they 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 pull in all the Avengers, and you have. Uh, the, the one Avenger who, who's most important here is Tony Stark. And the thing was, Pepper Potts was not snapped. Uh, Tony was not snapped. 
uh, and they had a daughter in these 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 last five years. So you actually find him living in a cabin by a lake, uh, doing quite well for himself. He, he understands the loss, um, but he's he's doing well. And they've pulled in all the Avengers, and they basically say, "Tony, we need your help. We we think there's a chance we can undo everything." We, we think we know time travel. And he's a little torn because he has a daughter in the last couple of years. So undoing everything isn't exactly an option. He has to figure out a way to bring everyone back without changing the priorities uh, have changed the, the, the last three years. So it's an interesting situation. Uh, he figures it out very quickly and um, doesn't agree to help everyone right away, but then uh, comes forward and helps them. There's a, a hilarious scene where they're trying to manage time travel or figure it out with uh, banner or Dr. Hulk rather in control. And that's some comic relief there, but then Tony comes in, they've got it all figured out. They've got a plan. They need to gather the stones from different points in time. And this whole process is an ode to the 22 movies essentially that uh, led up to this final end of this chapter of, of the Marvel universe. And uh, they are going to split up to go grab the stones out of a certain point in time. And the thought is they will then bring them to their world, use them, and then return them like a half a second after they had taken them in the first place to allow for the stones to exist in their original universe to maintain that process. And you come to realize this was Dr. Strange's plan as they're uh, getting the time stone from his former sensei uh, who's dead in, in the current timeline, but of course is alive then. And she recognizes, like, I can't give you the stone. It's like, no, no, no. Like Dr. Strange told me to bring it, to get it from you. It's like, Oh, right. Dr. Strange said it. He's the best of us. I, he was I misjudged the you. best of us, even though I don't even know him yet. Right. right. I heard he's cool plan and they start to uh, and there's a lot of great comedy moments that I want to talk about, but I'll do that after our summary. They go through the history of their movies uh, and they proceed to get the stones or steal the stones from those moments in time. So yeah, some, so at I some guess, point, yeah, the, real quick the hit up Thor, the original Thor movie. No, Thor two. Oh, was it, the was, one hit it was the bad one. It was the dark world. The yeah. one that was, a so flop. they hit up Thor two. The original Avengers and um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 are the, are the three movies they hit. And in that process of getting those stones, uh, Nebula uh, unknowingly compromises the mission because she goes back and as Thanos is working with his two daughters to start this journey, uh, the Nebula in that time for lack of a better description, uh, starts getting visions from the other Nebula because her brain's all whacked out because Thanos has torn her apart and rebuilt her to make her better and all this other. And they can be stuff, wireless but... of some sort. They some they're, they're transmitting memories between each other somehow. So Thanos sees in that timeline that he was successful and that the Avengers are trying to undo it by you know going through time. So they abduct the Neb... Uh, I'm jumping through a lot, but it gets so detailed and so very long. And, and they jump back and they, forth between the different missions, too. A lot of great moments. But they they hijack Nebula, and they put in the Nebula, who's still bad from the prior timeline. And she then brings Thanos to... Timeline. The original timeline of the movie, where everyone has been snapped away, uh, to ensure that everything stays snapped. 
Uh, and there's a great line uh, uh, towards the very end where he says, I am inevitable, or he repeats himself uh, from the beginning of the movie. But uh, he then is pulled into that. They've got all the stones and they are attempting to, uh, before Thanos comes into the picture, excuse me, uh, they, they, they succeed, they get all the stones and they've got the Infinity Gauntlet, gauntlet and Hulk uh, does the snap and to bring everybody back. And right after that occurs, Thanos, who was brought there by uh, Nebula from uh, the prior timeline, uh, brings his like whole ship, his armada from that point in time, the one that was used to invade Earth and more, uh, to attack. And he destroys Avengers headquarters. All the heroes are, are still alive, but scrambling to figure things out. Uh, the snap has been made. And Captain America is then standing against Thanos and his entire army. Uh, what ends up happening is how the wizards or Doctor Strange and his folks transport. Um, he, they bring in Everything. everybody. Uh, everyone who, who was snapped away, who's a fighter, uh, every hero, they all Wakanda assemble the army. armies. The armies of Wakanda, Asgard, uh, Asgard and, and everything. They all come filing in and there's this great scene where they all charge into battle against all you don't the have any more of of <laughs> Thanos. This great battle scene that ensues that has a lot of great moments we'll touch on in a little bit. And ultimately, uh, they are able to get the Infinity Gauntlet uh, away from Thanos, as that's what he was after. Uh, that was after he exploded the headquarters. That was the big race is to you know win the battle, but also get the Infinity Gauntlet as that controls everything. And uh, Doctor Strange looks at Tony Stark and says, um, you know, there was only one out of the how many million options that that turned into a win. And in that moment, and Tony asked him, you know, how do we do this? And he says, if I tell you, it won't work. And then he looks at him at this key moment at the end and he's holding up one finger and is saying, this is the one. And Tony understands that he needs to sacrifice himself. And he uh, pulls a fast one on... Um, Thanos to put stones the, off of the gauntlet and put them onto his Iron I Man saw, hand. I saw a nice gif online of the Robin Hood and Little John Disney animated film where the, the one guy's kissing the king's rings and sucking all the jewels out. And it was basically comparing Iron Man's motion yeah. to that. It was good. And Tony now has all the stones, but as you know, Tony is only a man. Um, He's only the stones human immediately start to all. bother him. He makes the snap to eliminate Thanos, his armies, his armadas, everything. And in that process, uh, the stones uh, have their same effect that they had on Thanos, only on Tony, who's only a human. And what happens over a period of a couple minutes is Tony then dies from the use of the stones, uh, sacrificing himself. And Thanos and his armies are defeated, and everyone else is brought back except for... Um, Nebula, Black who was Widow. attempted. Black Widow. Oh, yeah, Black Widow, who, sorry. Who would sacrifice for the Soul Stone. There was no undoing that. Uh, but they're also just with an awkward thing with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, main character's girlfriend, uh, the green girl, um, the Soul Stone. So she's gone. However, the one from the previous timeline came with. So now she's there, but it's not the one who fell for the the main guy from that and I'm blanking on uh Star Lord. Yeah. Um, Peter Quill. No. Nope. Star Lord. Peter 
Peter Quill. He would call himself Star Star Lord. I know he would. Um, (laughs) But at any rate, that is well. It's kind of like the the setup for the Asgardians of the galaxy. Is the the end of the movie essentially the snap and then the memorial for all the lost, uh, mainly Tony Stark and uh, Black Widow and was who else who else died? Am I am I missing one right now? I think that's it. No, it was, it was those, those two. Those are the only oh, two uh, named Captain characters. America. Uh, the end? Oh, yeah, yeah. Captain he's America. alive. Yeah. Captain America as we yeah, know. Yeah, no, no, but that's the other like kind of twist at the end. Yeah, Captain America, as we know him, died, quote unquote, and it's not because he was beaten or anything like that. Uh, at the very end, per the plan, they have to return the Infinity Stones to their proper timelines to ensure that all of those stay in line, essentially, is is the theory. And as part of doing that, Captain America goes back in time, and when he should have warped back into the current timeline, he never came back. He stayed in the past, and he ended up marrying and living with uh, the one lady from his storyline. Yeah, interesting point. I liked that. I thought that was a really cool thing. Yeah, now I thought we it was good. Captain America. Captain America kissed his sister. <laughs> or not his sister, his daughter. In the Captain America series, he found out the woman he loved was married and had kids. Either he robbed that man of his family and kids that he would have had, or he was that man oh. when he was being watched by what's her face's daughter. I think at some point he kisses her. I, he kissed his oh, own daughter. Time travel, man. Time travel gets goofy. At any rate, uh, he's an old man sitting on the bench when the guys, he doesn't work back when he's supposed to. He's an old man sitting on the bench in the background. Uh, and then he hands the Captain America shield, uh, which was broken in the battle um, in that timeline. He hands the shield to uh, who's the black guy with the the fancy Falcon jetpack. guy or whatever. Yeah, yeah, he's Falcon. Was, he's the new black Captain America, which is really cool and a big moment as well. That'd be a cool movie. I felt like some of those moments. Rather long plot, but it's a three-hour movie. Go in and jump in with your favorite thoughts and moments. Yeah, it didn't so feel I, like a three-hour movie. Yep, I don't that, know about you guys. That's definitely the best so point. Fast. So fun! It was so fun the whole time through. Yeah, totally agree. Like. For a three-hour movie, you, there was nothing in there where you're like, they could take this out. This is fluff. Like, get rid of this. Like, everything was solid. Like, fully engaged the entire way through. Yeah, I really appreciated that. There, I, The comedy, I liked because it didn't overstep the plot. You weren't like, oh, this is a comedy. They're here to make jokes. It was more of a, these are just some really funny, good moments to add in to keep the audience kind of engaged. And the nice thing is, Marvel's, really kind of, Marvel's kind of already like set that tone too, as far as how they're going to, you know, have that kind level of comedy within their films. So it's it's you just kind of get more of that. You you expect it, so it doesn't feel off putting. I, I will Man, say, I, yeah, coming out of the movie, it was a lot easier to say the couple little things I disliked rather than the stuff I liked because everything else was awesome. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I loved that. Uh, Fat Thor. Yeah, to say, but that was gold. I thought that he's now every man superhero. He's the superhero of the every man. It's still Thor comedy, but it's slightly different Thor comedy. It's darker, yeah, but it's hilarious. I I thought uh, one thing that uh, the the first very first thing I noticed coming out of the movie that I was like slightly bothered me was when Ant Man and the Wasp flew into their car to like get it booted up so they could try to use that as a time machine. they showed them jumping into the car and messing around 
the very next scene, they had an Ant-Man, a giant Ant-Man in the background, like, throwing something. It's like, wait, he's in the car right now. It's like, that's the level of how good this movie was. Like, that's the first thing I thought of, of what don't I like about this movie? Was, I, I totally saw that accident where they had Ant-Man in the truck and then throwing a thing in the background. I, the one thing that got me about the movie was that they, all those superheroes that they built up over the decade or so they've been going and they've, the ones that got snapped were the ones that were like the fan favorites, the big ones. And then I feel like a lot of the secondary Avengers sort of, they didn't get the, the character screen time or, Hey, I'm back to life now. Like, Whoa, what is this? Yeah. It's um, off that point. It's, I say off that point, Falcon being the new Captain America, I I totally agree he's the guy for it. I just didn't feel maybe it's because the last emotional connection you had to him was in the second Captain America, but I just didn't have a recent emotional connection to him where I'm like, yeah, he deserves it. He's definitely the one that does deserve it, but I don't have that emotional like success feeling like yes in me. Yeah, I felt that more like for Bucky, like Bucky if should I... have been. Um, well, you can't have Russia represent the U.S. That's Mother Russia. Uh, yeah, if I made the, the note, I'd like to share on the on the other characters who who weren't the main Avengers. That was them setting up for the future. Yeah. If you highly feature uh, Black Panther, who um, his movie was the premier event for the year, essentially, and culturally, it was a huge deal. Um, if you feature them. There's there's nothing to grow to. The reason they featured who they featured is because it was their last hurrah, and it, it's the end of their story arc. Tony Stark is done. Captain America as we knew him, done. Black mm-hmm. Widow, done. It's okay. Those were great characters. We, we learned a lot about them. Um, well, yeah. Now it's like, well, wait. What about Spider Man? Yeah. Oh well, yeah. Perfect well, example. Movie he only had two. Uh, he really only had two like film like. Uh, scenes in the movie when he first showed up and said hi Mr. Stark and when Stark was dying and he said his goodbye those are his only two scenes in the entire movie yeah but there's more for him I, I do agree with that I like that well, you'll yeah, get to see how they can move forward Disney's, Disney's not dumb enough to end this money train like it may not if they get one third of of the revenue and success out of continuing these stories and they'll get more than that um, there's no scenario where they end with this. Like they, they already have a Spider-Man coming out. I'm sure they have the next, you know, 12 movies planned, if not more. Uh, and there's going to be a Black Panther three, Black Panther four. Uh, it, 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 I mean, at the end of the day, the money is still what matters. Um, but that's that's a separate issue. The, the storyline, the storytelling behind that is is fantastic. It was it was a great movie. I love Fat Thor. Uh, the the moment mm-hmm. uh, full we've already spoiled everything and we're going to continue. But uh, the moment when Captain America uh, uses Thor's hammer, which he brings back. Oh from yeah, Thor, that was awesome. Oh, that was cool. Um, that I mean, cheers. I knew it in the theater. Cheers in the theater. Uh, from women, actually, there were a lot of young <laughs> women in the theater that I was in, apparently, because these girls uh, and/or prepubescent men uh, were <laughs> were screaming. Uh, when, and I, I didn't even get to hear what happened in those scenes because they kept screaming the entire time that he was fighting. And it was, I mean, it just it was so cool. The energy in the theater, everyone was so excited. The battle scenes are are great. 
Um, it's not super dark and I mean, people get hurt, but you know, none of the main folks die outside of, you know, the Epic finish, but the way it was done, I got chills as Captain America was standing there against the forces of, of Thanos and evil, you know, bearing down on him. And then out of nowhere, I think the, the key line there is on your left. Uh, the, the Falcon guy uh, says in his, to his radio piece and a circle. Oh, opens up. Yeah. Oh, and you know, people start, you know, coming through these uh, circles uh, for lack of a better term, these people portals. Were- they start coming through, and you realize this isn't such a one-sided battle after all. And it's oh, it's chills. I I absolutely got chills uh, throughout the entire thing. It's it's so well done. You, you feature each hero a little bit, and you see the very best of them. And that's Captain America wielding uh, the Thor's hammer. Uh, at one point, they actually end up with the opposite thor has his hammer and captain america has the axe and they have like this pause moment like no no you, 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 <laughs> this one. you get uh, the little one this one's so bigger. many <laughs> so many really cool moments and then the other one uh this is not the battle but this is when captain america travels back in time to the first avengers movie here we yeah, i can do this all so day he meets himself yes. and himself oh they thinks know. that they, it, they can that do it all looking. day and he, he starts to fight himself, and yeah, even Captain America from the current time is I facing know. himself, and it, it, they're fighting. He gets knocked down, and yeah, the, per Kyle, yeah, I, can, I can do this all day, and he just looks at him like, oh, know. shit. That's right. I say that. God <laughs> damn it. I'm like, so I know you enthusiastic can. right now. Or uh, uh, that is America's ass. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that the, was the American good too. ass line was, was fantastic as well. Um, that that's there was more swearing than I was expecting. Like there were some younger kids. Now. I'm like, yeah, I was like, but I didn't they, notice it really. For the Avengers, I thought they did more than what they're used to, and I was okay with it. I thought that it, it worked out a lot of the time, especially yeah. considering that. I, I wonder if it because of the length, they're allowed to put more in per time, and they can just it condense. Like if you have a so many hour movie, you get one swear per period of time, and if they just hit over that segment and they put all the swears and you know, a close proximity. It just seems like there's more swearing than there actually was. I could see that being the case. I love the elevator scene. I thought that was, <laughs> was one of the times I like, the one. yeah, that was, yeah, that was so great. One, best. one complaint I'll have is cap or captain Marvel way underused. Like what the heck? Like there was so many times where I'm like, why is she not here? Like, she what is she him. doing? Like, she I granted, I know she's trying to do this to all the other planets in the galaxy or whatever, but it's like, she's Captain Marvel. She's from America or from the Earth. Why is she not here? And like, she comes in, OP as shit, takes down the whole ship, like crisscrossing through it, flies down, and then they start tossing the hammer back and forth. It's like, why does she not have this hammer yet? Just have her do it. Like, she is already <laughs> yeah. OP. Like, just she give it to butt. her. The headbutt from Thanos where she doesn't flinch. Yeah, badass. Yeah, that was cool. I that wish I would have seen cool. that movie before I watched it. I'll have to go back and watch it. And that's that's just it. Like honestly, I think they paid off. You know, if they didn't get all twenty-two, they they paid off at least you know some fifteen, some seventy-five percent or more of those movies with with those kinds of references. Because yeah, if you didn't see the Captain America movies, you have no idea what Hail Hydra means. Or the elevator uh, scene. Okay. If you didn't watch Thor: Dark World with the interactions with Thor's mother, 
you don't know yeah. the importance of that. Like they brought back Natalie Portman and, and all these one-off actors and actresses who made appearances in certain films. They had them all. Like they didn't shortchange. They didn't dance around anything. They they adjusted the plots accordingly. Like I'm surprised they, they, they got everybody. They literally, I did not see any actor or actresses changed. The like, only it was one all that the originals. They were missing the guy from, but I think he had died already. That original Iron Man, like the Shield guy, Colston, but like I think he was already dead, so it didn't really matter. Yeah, he was dead in the timeline. He died. I was like, why? Why don't we see Colston? Oh, that'd been cool. No, he's he's dead. Okay, they great. You can can think of one character they missed in in all of only the only Quicksilver. Yeah, no, fan. Those don't count. Um, The thing that bummed me about the end and it's really nitpicky and it's supposed the to be the fact that it good, made me ball it well nobody died really it's like you're what? in this huge battle against iron man ass. died besides iron man and the Black og Widow. of ogs died yes yes like, but like i was not crying i was not crying but there was an act of effort to not do anything more than tear up slightly oh i definitely teared up twice during the, uh, multiple times during that movie for sure but like, i'm a man like, it's this giant but that shit battle. that hurts that gets you right in the feels you're not telling well, me like pepper doesn't reason, die or well, the reason with it and not in game of thrones is that it's marvel marvel has set the tone will survive now the fact that they broke from that is is more of a contract issue than anything else but um, it had to happen eventually. Whereas yeah. in Game of Thrones, you expect it. it is as popular as it is because George R. R. Martin will establish a character, let you fall in love with him or her, and take them away all in. And you, you have this whole arc. And my favorite one for reference is always Rob Stark, where you 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 know Rob Stark. You're on board with his his whole plan. He's the father, avenging his son, leading his family and young brothers. Uh, the young wolf never lost a battle. Uh, has a has a wife who's going to have a kid. He's going to name his kid after his dead father, who he's avenging. You have all of it, and it all just goes to hell. And, and he's and just at rips. the pinnacle of success, and it's gone. Know, that's that, that's why Game of Thrones is as good as it is. Like, well, at least it's was. Just, it has right. It was when it's still Martin's material. It's 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 amazing. Uh, but you can't compare that to a Marvel where you know at the end of Iron Man two and Iron Man three and Iron Man fifteen, Iron Man's still gonna be there. Yeah, that's a good point. They can't. Yes, that's that's my only rebuttal. I, I get what you're saying, but remember who who who's producing this and what it's about. Yeah, no. I, I other than that, I mean, I thought that was. Really cool. Even having the well, Doctor Strange has to hold back all the water so he can't be fighting Thanos and that kind of like I thought that was it was well done for having it's to feature as many characters as they had to feature. They did it in a very Well to be fair, like Doctor Strange already knows exactly what he needs to do in order for this to succeed. So he's not gonna be the variable. Yeah, that's true. If he knows that the butterfly effect, if he fights versus just holding this wave of water, he, he tried how many million trillion combinations. Like, if that's the one where he it's knows. like, I need to be holding this for X amount of time, and then it'll work. He's That's exactly what he, you cannot question anything Doctor Strange does the entire movie. Yeah. 
my, my super nerd is going to come out here for just a half a second and I'll shut up after that. But uh, the part of Doctor Strange's story was the time stone kept the planet safe. And in this time travel, among other things, the the time stone of that timeline has still been destroyed and they have to return it to the correct timeline. Doctor Strange becomes who he is and, and blah, 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 blah. But that leaves Doctor Strange without the time stone going forward. Now, he's still an incredibly powerful wizard and blah, blah, blah. But his, his movie that was his solo movie, Time Stone was the only defense against the galaxy-eating monster thing. So I guess they explain the time travel, uh, even in the dialogue, as Dragon Ball Z time travel. And although I have not seen the show for that port, like those episodes that deal with Dragon Ball Z timeline, I I have now watched enough YouTubes explaining it that I think I get it. (laughs) And it's that basically when they're going back in time, think of it as they're just going into a different time universe, right? And they can jump around however they want within that. And then when they turn off the machine, they suck them back out. So it's, and once they get sucked back out, they have not affected anything in their timeline. They're literally like, putting him into an alternate timeline, but later that has to this point followed the exact same path. So I think that's the way they explain it is that when they go there and come back, that's the natural path. No, but that's the natural path that universe would have had in the first place. You're not actually changing that universe's path. That is what its path is in the infinite timelines. Okay. But even with no snap earth without the time stone to defend against the galaxy eating enemy monster guy, is the plot hole there now you're, there are going to be plot holes in time travel i get it but that's my super nerd coming yeah out that saying. is that is the one thing that was like time travel movies always have a certain was done as well movies. as it possibly could be that i agree with i when i when i first saw they were going to time travel, like uh it's gonna be one of those kind of movies but the way it pulled together i, I wonder the how much the like, money they had to yeah. drop in order to drop all those movie names like, do they have to pay all those movies just to drop the name of the movies? Because they dropped a or, lot of big name time travel movies. Depends. Depends on the movie, I'm know. sure. Or do the other movies come I mean, as free how advertisement? How many does me own? Yeah, uh, touche. All right, want to wrap her up there? I love it. All right. Well, that was episode 46 of If I May. Hope everybody enjoyed bringing a new episode every single Thursday. So be in touch next week to see our next one then. Uh, if you'd like to support us, you can all do all the podcast stuff and look at our merch. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, we got a Twitter at uh, Zarbust and an email, Zarbust at gmail.com. Uh, but otherwise, we will see you next Thursday. Have a great week.